0: to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher. Today I'm talking with Daniela. She is the author of Where Fairies Meet, which is a very good book. It just came out and I have read it. Um, And she's a very interesting person who has had an interesting life. So let's just jump right in. Hi, Daniela.
1: Hi, Barbara. So good to
0: be here. It's good to see you, finally. I've, I've talked with you online, but I haven't seen you, so now I'm seeing you, and it's great. Um, talk a little bit about your background and what led you to write this book.
1: Um, this is a really, really multi-layered question. So my gr- background. I grew up in Romania with my grandmother being a seer and a medicine woman. And nice as this may sound it wasn't always nice because Romania in the 70s was in the grip of the communist regime that was asserting itself more and more and more I want to say that it wasn't as bad as in other communist countries so the um, and this pertains to the traditions that I I grew up with so there wasn't so much oppression for people really not to be able to practice or to express their beliefs. But that was becoming more and more limited, more and more, you know, um, encroached upon. So bottom line, whatever my grandmother shared with me, sometimes she shared willfully, sometimes I learned from her by spying, a lot of eavesdropping, a lot of, you know, peeking through the keyhole. And um, this is how I grew up learning about fairies and having fairy experiences. There were times when I didn't know that what I was seeing and the beings who would appear around me were actually fairies. My grandmother had to tread the edge how much is she going to tell me, and how much is she going to keep to herself because a child nine, ten, eight years of age can go about and begin to brag and tell things that would be then dangerous become dangerous for us as a family, considering the whole political and social um situation, so that was my my um, background in terms of fairy exposure. And I remember clearly the little kid that I was and into my early teens wanting to be nothing like for a profession other than and do exactly just what my grandmother was doing, which was driving the family to despair. You can imagine, we want you to be a doctor, we want you to be a lawyer. No, I want to be a fairy witch. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, okay, so you got the idea. <laughs> So this is my background. Um, A time came when um, I turned my back on these beliefs when, you know, you get into the late teens and you want to fit and there's a lot of peer pressure and pressure from society in general. So I went through some years like these, but then... um, there was always the pressure from the other, from the other world. There was always the pressure for me to come back to the place that, um, as a child, I unwittingly and unknowingly just pledged myself to it. Here I am. I want to be your friend forever. So basically, I put out a rain check for them to cash whenever they want. And here we come to the book. Fast forward. Twenty something, almost thirty years later, um, when I begin to consciously stop resisting the call, and I realize that it's 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 time to go back to who I truly am, and then be authentic to me myself. And um, I begin to write about fairies, um, very desirous to begin to participate in conferences and very happy to fully embrace the side of myself and no longer afraid to express it in the United States, different society, different world. Yay, I can express myself freely. So that was big. And I began to write a paper for Mystic South, I don't know, a couple of years ago, conference. And i um, I was really fascinated by the parallels between Romanian and and Irish fairy traditions. How I got there, that's a different story. We can probably have a whole episode on that alone. So, short, I was just awestruck by the parallels in between these two traditions. And I began to research and kind of conduct scholarly research and look into serious academic studies and folklore and all that. And I begin to write my paper for Mystic South. And this is what happened. So one night, I feel this pat on my shoulder. So I wake up and I had to move around to see, to discern this very tall silhouette standing by my, my bedside, which I recognized first by the feel and then by Sight because they moved in a way where light from the outside came onto them, so I could see whom I'm talking about, whom I'm talking to. And it is this very being, and it from that I knew from years ago from Romania, whom I had not seen for like thirty years. Okay, and she's there and she tells me, "Well, you're not going to write that paper for your conference," which Which point I sit up on the edge of the bed's edge and begin to kind of whisper, argue, you gotta be kidding me. Tomorrow is the deadline for me to submit this this paper and I'm writing the abstract. You cannot tell me to change topic right now. And she's like, no, 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 no. You are going to turn this into a book. And don't worry about the conference. I'll tell you tomorrow what you need to... Write about for the Mystic South. And I'm like, okay, now can I go back to sleep? (laughs) So so I'm going back to sleep. She's like, okay, just remember. Um, Oh, and before she left, she tells me, "Uh, by the way, your job is to put Romanian fairy lore back on the map. And I'm like, oh, that's it. Can I go back to sleep now? So I'm going back to sleep, wake up in the morning, completely forget about the encounter. Yeah. So go about my, you know, child to school, this, that, and then sit in front of the computer and all of a sudden everything comes at me with the force of of, of a tsunami and this moment of quasi panic. Did I dream about that? Was it true? Was it? And I feel the presence right next to me. I couldn't see her, but I felt it right next to me. And she's like, okay, this is your abstract. (laughs) And I'm writing by dictation. Click send and then begin to wonder. It's like, oh my gosh, what I have just done. I mean, I, I didn't even proofread it. I've never been to a conference in my life before, and here I am submitting to one of the largest in the United States. How presumptuous of me, me, a nobody. And she's like, good job. Pats on the shoulder. Good job. Gone. Begin working on the book, and in elaborating it, I realize this is going to be the first ever study that brings Romanian and Irish fairy lore into a side-by-side comparison and self-doubt kicks in. Um, Like, why are you doing this? You're not doing it with the intention to paint fairies with a super wide brush and make them look all even. So in writing, my own personal reasons begin to um, become more clear. Aside that, you know, a fairy told me to write this book, which is well, yeah. clear enough. I don't know how many people will really take that at face value. So anyway, um, I realized that I really wanted to bring attention to the fact that fairies are more than the cute, little, winged, harmless beings that... Um, Victorian um, literature, Victorian time literature, and further subsequent children's book try to sell us. I I realized that I want to really be part of this, I don't know, let's call it fairy rehabilitation movement. (laughs) I like that. Um, Like uh, reaffirming and... Um, bearing testimony to their power, to their agency, to the fact that they can be fearsome. Um, They can be benevolent if it suits them and if there is an interest in in acting benevolently. But usually that's not just because we humans are such a great asset to the planet. Um, Yeah. So... All these reasons were there and helped me to structure the book. It's like we're dealing with these beings. Um, In bringing two separate cultures into a side-by-side comparison, I realized that my argument gains strength. It's not, oh, this is just Irish old lore. No, this is also very old Romanian lore. And if you look at Romania and Ireland, they are diametrically opposed East, mm-hmm. West, on the European map. And the fact that things happen in the past, somebody may still treat them dismissively. Yeah, whatever, there was migration, people were traveling, stories were traveling with people. Yeah, right. Things still happen. The end of the last century, the beginning of this century, they still happen, Ferry encounters, I mean, Following the exact same um, outline in both Romania and Ireland, so not only we're talking with beings about beings who are similar in their demeanor, in the way they look, the way they interact with humans, we're also talking about things having continuity for hundreds, if not thousands, of years, and they happen across Europe, and I choose. You know, the kind of the opposite poles, uh, geographic poles mm-hmm. to show, hey, even across distance, we still have this. And finally, um, if you will, the punchline in my preface, the book there is these phenomena, the way they happen today, should be invite the thought, what is beyond just lore and folklore, because without fire... There is no smoke. What is mm-hmm. the degree of reality of these experiences? Because not everybody is going to have fairies coming to pat them on the shoulders to wake up to write books or articles. I'm aware of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But like less, not lesser degree, smaller scale experiences, smaller scale events that we hear about or experience should prompt the thinking Um And considering more serious the reality of these fairy phenomena beyond just teaching tales or, I don't know, um, stories. So that's about the book in a nutshell. Coconut nutshell. Big one.
0: (laughs) Big nut. Yeah. See, I'm really glad that you told that story all at once in a big... I always ask open-ended questions, so... You, you did great with answering it um i had not known of the parallels between romanian and irish lore but as soon as it was brought to my attention by your book i thought about you know well i did read some romanian folklore when i was a kid because i i kind of just went to the library and we actually had a really good library in Charleston and, and, and just, you know, went through the folklore section, just, you know, Mm -hmm. as soon as I was allowed in the adult section, that was the first place I parked and then read through. And I was like, you know, that makes sense. And I remember reading a lot of Southern German folklore and Polish folklore and I was like okay those were similar to the Romanian lore I read uh-huh, so uh-huh. that means doo-doo, 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 if <laughs> a equals b and a yeah. e- c, a equals b and b equals c then a equals c i believe that's the associative property yes that, when it's numbers it is um, and, and we know that I can't really talk about numbers very well. Uh, <laughs> so, so I was really excited to see that you, your book was coming out. I had it on pre-order for like a year or something, however long it was since you had the publisher. I'm and flattered. <laughs> I, was, I was right there. It was like, yes, yes. What do you think about, you know, when you, when you talk about um, – the smaller encounters, you know, not, not a, not a Uh fairy coming up and, you know, wake up, wake up. I have this big thing to tell you and you're (laughs) going to do the thing. Oh, good. You did the thing. Good, good, good. Uh, Does it seem like there's more encounters happening recently? Or do you think people are just recognizing them?
1: Mm. I think that's, I I think, I think that's a little bit of all of the above, yeah. um, you mentioned first smaller fairies. And um, like not always, you know, like the the, the, the big ones size-wise. Yeah. Um, and I want to tell you that, honestly, the first fairy beings that I could see around my house were smaller sizes. I mean, in between one and two feet. Not mm-hmm. insect-like. I, I never had the chance, and I'm not denying. I mean, I'm not... Um, I'm not in the position to to, to tell people hey your experience is, is is not legit that that would be wrong on my side um I truly believe ferries come in all sizes and um I mean they're such a broad um spectrum of 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 a population so I saw smaller ones um I wouldn't say that smaller ones are less powerful i've seen seen witnessed things done by smaller sized ferries are pretty scary mm-hmm. uh, I've seen very good things scary by the extent by the intensity by the magnitude, but very good things done by them so that's variety there so whoever is talking about smaller ferries versus bigger ferries, there's room for both that world mm-hmm. is big enough to accommodate polarities um if these encounters happen more often um i think yes these encounters do happen more often or going back in time a little bit. I think they were occurring uh, high frequency, I would say, at certain times throughout the history. And not only were they occurring, but also people were primed to see them and understand them as fairy experiences. And then um, society, the humankind, um, was... Brainwashed and by by this this very strong materialism um, that that penetrated the human thought and our unschooling and I'm saying unschooling this time in 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 the with a bad connotation, so we're no longer um, studying at the school of nature and relying on our senses. And accepting experiences that defy logic. So the unschooling, unlearning um, was uh, turned us into over-rationalizing. By the way, I, I really like the science part. and very much, paradoxically, I'm very much of a science person. I'm always looking for the physical, physics, for the math, for the chemistry, behind phenomena, biology before jumping into labeling them as supernatural or fairy related. So I'm always doing the reality checks. However, when something bears that imprint, that signature of the otherworldly, which I grew up as a kid to always recognize, I will take it for what it is. So, we lost that with the advance of industrialization, with the advance of, you know, science, which brought about awesome things. Without science, we wouldn't be having this conversation, you know, from two different mm-hmm. states. <laughs> so, yeah. science is a wonderful thing, but um, um, we got into servitude towards science, mm-hmm. and it began to dictate the way we think and the, the way we perceive so with that in mind, our ability to recognize fairy phenomena has decreased, or people's ability to, dec- to recognize fairy phenomena has decreased. Then added to this was and is the pressure and the social stigma. <laughs> You're still believing in fairies? This is children's mm-hmm. stuff. Grace, thanks to the you know Victorian age writers and artists who portrayed them the way they did so here is another layer some people like myself choose to at some point in my life I told you I chose to turn a blind eye and really numb myself to the experience and, and refuse you know kind of look the other way and I think many did this in order to fit but now things are changing so I wouldn't say for sure things maybe they do they did increase in frequency but people willingness to talk about these things certainly has increased Mm -hmm. and one thing prompts the other you know it's a little bit like when you go foraging for mushrooms you look for chanterelles or morals and for a while you don't see any and then all of a sudden you see one and after Mm -hmm. you see that one all of a sudden you see them you see them everywhere
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I think it's a little bit the same with these phenomena. Once you begin to discern them, once you are trusting your senses again to connect with those subtle levels and you begin to see, it's enough to see one or two and then they pop Mm -hmm. increasingly uh, more often. And um, since we're all connected to some level, subconscious, deeper levels of the subconscious and unconscious mind, it's enough that a critical number of people within society sees them and the others will also begin to see. Um, I cannot not notice the frequency um, in people who never held these kind of beliefs, always denied the existence of the supernatural, coming now to me, oh my gosh, that class that you taught and everything that you said four years ago, I have experienced like every single bit of what you mentioned there. I saw things, I heard things, I had this interaction. So, yeah, I think it's 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 both. They come back, they reclaim mm-hmm. their places from where they, they have been shunned. And... Um, we're also fortunately opening up to the experience to see them and bringing them back.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. I've seen so many people recently, uh, people that had just never had the idea of a fairy or mm-hmm. a little person or whatever you mm-hmm. wanna call the, the little ones, yep. um, come up and say, I saw this guy in the woods. Yeah, you know the story I tell a lot as to why I started this podcast actually involves one of those beings, Mm -hmm. and the man who saw him had come on to Reddit and said, "Okay, this happened to me." He was working as an excavator in the Appalachian Mountains in North Carolina, Mm -hmm. and he was, you know, sitting in his the cab of the big excavator thing and he just turned for he saw something out of the corner of his eye and he turned and looked at this pile of dirt and on top of it was a little guy that's how he put it there's this little guy this little man and he said he had very dark very brown skin and he was mad he said his eyes were really scary And he was looking straight at me, straight into my eyes with these really dark eyes, kind of like a bird's and he was angry. And he said, and he was wearing clothes, you know, but he was like, once I saw the eyes and and we were looking at each other, he said, I didn't really look that close, any closer. I I just kind of was like, yeah, okay. And he said, and I had to blink my eyes, you know, they stared at each other for a while. And they he I had to blink my eyes and when I opened him up he was gone but I still felt like he was there.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: And he it scared the pants <laughs> off of this very masculine, very mm, tough guy. Uh-huh. You know he was like Whoa. he was terrified, and he asked the people on this Reddit board what he had seen and and he got a lot of you know answers. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a gnome, it was a this, it was a that. Oh, don't worry, the little people are not scary. And I'm like, oh, hell no. So I messaged him privately. I said, Mm -hmm. okay, look here, look here. Um, You were digging, you were excavating and he was on top of a pile of dirt. I said, I have a feeling that you disturbed his home.
1: That was my feeling as you were talking. It's like, oh my gosh, he broke into the ferry's
0: home. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Messed up the house. I said, and then that's why he stared at you with the scary, angry eyes. And that's why it bothered you. You know, he didn't tell his family. He he went home and he started having nightmares. He hated going to work. And I said, okay, here you go. Um, I suspect that it's one of the what the Cherokee called the little people. And I gave him the Cherokee name, which I always mangle when I say it, so I'm not gonna say it. It's a very difficult language. Um, And I said, I suspect it's one of those. And if you messed up their home, the the European style stuff that you're being told online is not going to work but here. So I told him about tobacco and cornmeal. And just I was like you don't have to say fancy stuff like you know people were giving him poems to say and I'm like you just have to say you're sorry that you didn't mean to to get his home you know and you didn't mean to do that and that you know you won't do it again but you do have to say to him if you tell me where not to dig I can do what Mm -hmm. I can you know he has a job to do he has to do it he's told where to dig but he could also you know maybe dig around a certain place i said you know in in parts of the world you know highways will mm-hmm. be diverted around trees yep. because they know the fairies are there or the the you know hidden people the hold mm-hmm. the folk and and he was like how do you know all these things i said I, i've been seeing them <laughs> ever since i was a kid yeah. so I've I've read lots and lots of folklore and the old stories, and I've been told the old stories, and I said, that's basically why I wanted to reach out to you. Yes, you disturbed his home, and in, in that sense, you're quote unquote in danger. But he's not he's not acting like he's gonna come after you with, you know, all barrels open, probably. But if you if you just give the presence and and be calm and say you're sorry he'll probably accept that if not you can you know get -hmm. back with me and and i'll we'll see what we can do and he did do the things and then he asked me you know and 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 it was all calm he didn't get another you know sighting of the little man to say oh yeah it's okay but he did stop having nightmares and i said okay that's a good sign good sign he said am I going to see these again? I said, well, if you you dig up somebody else's house, yeah, you'll probably see them again. Uh, It was like, so be careful where you take your jobs. If you're freelance, maybe that'll help. And he he was like, do they really live underground? Like, was he really physical? And I was like, oh, okay, so you've asked the hard question. Yes, Uh they're physical. No, they're not. Yes, they live actually under the physical earth, and no, they don't. And I said, you got to stretch your mind to accept that there is this place called the other world that is sort of half in our world and half in their world. But it's more like 30 percent our world, 70 percent theirs. Uh You know, so I said, but more people are seeing them looking physical. I said, so that's I don't know what that (laughs) means, but that's yeah that's a thing and so that's part of why i started the podcast because i was seeing stories like his and you know eventually he took his his post down off of reddit because he got the answer he wanted and mm-hmm. and he, he didn't want to think about it anymore <laughs> um and uh but there were lots of people having weird experiences yeah. some of them fairies. some of them some sort of spirit People seeing orbs of light in the sky, mm-hmm. or in the woods, or in their house, and so I was like, "Okay, things are happening. I should start a podcast." Um, a friend of mine from England had been saying, "You need to start a podcast. You need to start a podcast." So I did. <laughs> so yes, Jackie. So she, you're being you're you're being clapped for. So um, great idea. She, yeah, she she was right. And so Morgana and I have both been trying to do this and choose our guests so that people get different perspectives and understand that they're not crazy. He was sure. He was absolutely sure he needed to be put in a hospital. Mm-mm. I'm like, no, honey. No, Mm-mm. you're not crazy. You're not crazy. Um, So yeah, that's why I did it. And I really like that people can hear these stories from people who've experienced them enough that they've written books about it so that they can get good information. And, and I didn't go into, you know, a lot of what Americans have heard and, and what English people have heard has had theosophy sort of Mm. pounded into it. So that's, it's, it's it's chancy, you know, and that kind of, you know, because of course, uh, madame blavatsky thought of them as elementals kind of brainless not too smart i'm like oh that's not right i mean yeah
1: undeveloped and needing the aid of humans to evolve you gotta be kidding me i'm even afraid to (laughs) say it
0: i know i know i i feel like you know you and i and morgan and Cat should all mm-hmm. get together and have a yes. just, Blavatsky was wrong about this, 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 this and this, and that's actually a dangerous set of beliefs.
1: It is dangerous and um, as of recently recently, relatively speaking um, I realized that I have to be one of the voices always, uh, also not always, I also have to be one of the voices who speaks about them, um, about them, about the reality, the concreteness of of these experiences, because um, the more of us share about these experiences, the more traction we gain, the more energy, the more acknowledgement they, the other, receive. And we're basically um, propelling forward something that institutions over time did their very best to eradicate and obviously did not succeed. Fortunately, mm-hmm. so it's service done to the good people, to the Nadine Mahe or Zune or the Alfar, however we choose to call them, depending on the culture. Um, it's service done to them, and it is service done to ourselves because the moment we embrace that healthy type of animism, cat uh, can talk about animism and you know the healthy and the unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, way of looking at it I mean the time when it was used as derogatory to just Mm -hmm. point out that oh those people they would believe everything they're told they believe that sticks and stones have have an anima have a spirit (laughs) so it's that derogatory take versus no every single thing in in our environment has a form of consciousness they may not communicate through language the way we do it doesn't mean They do not have personhood. It doesn't mean that we shall disrespect them. So um, down with the anthropocentric (laughs) view of of the world. Yeah. So us talking and sharing about these experiences, furry encounters, and the results of them, the outcome, whether good or maybe not so good, um, is also a stand against the anthropocentric view that look where it did the planet, mm-hmm. what it did to the planet, and in what kind of place brought the humankind at this point, so it's, yeah. it's certainly not good, yeah, so yeah, good job I, I,
0: for the podcast <laughs> <laughs> thank you um, I really like I really like the way that there seems to be threads all through different media Mm -hmm. and people sharing their experiences, um, people collecting new folklore all through different communities that is basically saying anthropocentrism is really not so great for anybody. Mm -mm. And I think that one of the things that also seems to be coming back are old traditions but also old traditions with new twists, new, new eyes on the old traditions. Um, because the traditions were created not in a vacuum. They were created because humans had contact with non-human intelligence Mm -hmm. and figured out ways that was mutually beneficial to both parties to get along and to gain knowledge and share knowledge. Um, and that in the West, it really got almost stamped completely out. It it really, you know, pretty much got smooshed. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a, I think there's a little bit more in Eastern Europe that didn't get completely destroyed, um, but not you know it's it's not great it hasn't been great and it's really bad for us
1: it is uh cat just sent me yesterday um an article and it's happening in france where an ancient circle of menus is being destroyed to build i don't know what stupid store
0: and and
1: and we're talking about it um and this is bad that's, that's the conclusion that we reach unanimously. Kat was like, this is bad and I'm like, yeah this is very bad and it's bad for a number of reasons. Um, these circles, the stones they have been put in place. I'm piggybacking what what you just said that people from interacting you know from with the otherworldly beings learn to do things in ways that are mutually beneficial. so. And since the other world is so diverse and not everybody in the other world loves everybody else in the other world, they have their Mm -hmm. factions, they have their rivalries, not everybody's milk and honey over there. Mm -hmm. So, and certainly not everyone is sympathetic toward humans um, and with our world. So these circles have been, very likely put into place to not only for ritual activities and funeral rites or community, whatever, gathering, but I personally believe also to control, I mean, to give free access to certain energies, to certain beings to move through at specific times as opposed to chaotically. Also to keep things shut for those things that you don't really want to have coming through. And Mm -hmm. when we now, humans, with complete disregard and lack of discernment, go about destroying these places, we don't know what are we opening the gate to, what fragile balance do we upset and what will be the consequences. So this just happened in France. and yeah that's, that's exactly what you said something that that was meant there and built with a sense of purpose and to maintain equilibrium in between the worlds is going away
0: yeah and and if Not you good. tell people yeah and if you tell the people who are building whatever it is that oh you you can't take that strong, stone circle you can't do that because it it's the balance between the, they'll just look at you like you're nuts Yeah, Yeah. and, and just it's, it's the seeing of land as property, as something that whoever pays money for it can do what they want with it. Um, here locally, we, my house is like three to five miles away from a very large, uh, mound complex called the Wolf Creek Mounds. Uh, They all, most of them were dug into in the 19th century with things taken out of them, of course. Um, In fact, this whole area I live in, this whole county and one next to it, are filled with mounds, most of which were taken apart in the 19th century, but some were left. And there's one mound left that's really, really high and you can see it at the Wolf Creek complex. And I found out like in 2019, I started having an uptick in weird things happening around the house. I found out that developers had started against state law, tearing down parts of the the berm that went around that was built as a circle To enclose all of the mounds and they just they just destroyed one mound completely they dug into the berm and i don't remember what the other one was i think they dug partially into another mound before people found out about it and you know contacted the state and were like "Mm -hmm, go do something about that and uh but they, they just think that they can just do that that it's okay it's not okay.
1: You know, it's my I mean it, it came to me right now. Um, sometimes the consequences are not immediate. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes they are. There's a lot of Irish lore where they go and they begin messing up with the mound, and then two days later child gets sick or cow dies, or so the consequences are pretty much evident in their relationship to the cause. So the causality is is evident. Mm-hmm. But sometimes things don't happen right away. And mm-hmm. I was wondering why. And then I have to remind myself that time in the other world runs differently. And what may be a long time for us, it may be immediate action as they perceive it. Mm-hmm. So the fact that there is no an instant um, Consequences, no instant punishment for, for infringing and this this disrespectful, desecrating, disrespecting their places, um, kind of make people think, oh, this is just you know old beliefs and they have no foundations. And I I I really cringe knowing that this not to be the case. Yeah, I mean I've it's... I've, I've, I've seen. So speaking of, again of, of 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 the book. Um I was really happy with 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 the outcome so um and I tried to um and, and then shortly after finishing this book I I was prompted to go and pour out on paper um my childhood and my mm-hmm. whole apprenticing with my grandmother so it came out as the next book A Fairy Path The Memoirs of a Young Seer in Training and I was like yeah, good. I, th- I feel that I kind of patched the relationship with, um, with um, the fairy beings that I was interacting as a child because parenthesis and speaking of time and perception of time, um, at some point... Uh, I said something very offensive and done something very offensive towards one of the fairy beings that that was around and was acting in in this capacity of of like a guide toward me. And I offended badly. I was lucky because not even 10 or 10 years old, 10-ish, there wasn't really a retaliation. But she vanished. And she vanished Mm -hmm. for some almost 30, 30 years, 28, Mm -hmm. 30 years. And when she appeared, it was like, yeah, sure, hmm, you had a little bit of time to talk about, to think about it, but it wasn't, oh, I haven't seen you in such a long time. It was like when you have an argument with, I mean, more heated argument with a figure, with somebody with whom you respect and you keep in high regard. But then eventually... You, you patch up the rift and it doesn't seem like catastrophic and it doesn't seem that um, it could have been forever. So that was her perception. It's like, mm-hmm. well, i let you brood a little bit and now I'm back. But it was mm-hmm. 30 years. So maybe cutting into months and disrespect, disrespecting their sites will not be Perceived in terms of consequences by our generation. Mm-hmm. But what about our kids? Mm hmm. What about our the grandchildren? Th- what about our grandchildren? Mm hmm. Why do they have to pay our lack of consideration for other types of people in this world?
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. Interestingly, uh, Morgan. Told a story very similar to yours, a uh, few episodes back, uh, and and yeah, I yeah. I've I've been scolded uh, by you know <laughs> I'm gonna make you fall on your face for no reason. Boom! There oh yeah.
1: Go. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't know You're... your story.
0: <laughs> <It's> very close. <laughs> yeah. It's like oh yep, you forgot my uh, my butter again. There you go. Mm-hmm. They, they can be nasty. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I. In this case, you know the stuff that was destroyed in the 19th century. I think some of the stuff that that happens now mm-hmm. uh, around us that is less than helpful, maybe was a consequence. Um, and you know that some people would be like that's conspiratorial thinking and no it's not being superstitious and i don't think so i don't think so like for example we have a really big uh 19th century insane asylum up on the hill that overlooks the city Mm -hmm. um it's a whole ridge and before they built it there there had been mounds oh um the place is built with native stone that they dug out around the County. Oh my gosh. And the bricks that it's made out of came from the clay in the mounds. So now it has this reputation for being haunted. I can't imagine why, um, <laughs> the yeah, very no. stone <laughs> really? and clay that it's made out of uh, the, had been destroyed. And, you know, it, it. we look at it every day. I mean, you can't miss it. Mm-hmm. If if you go near the river at any point and look up, there it is. You know, it's it's across the river from the town. Um, and there had been floods in that river. Bad enough that the Army Corps of Engineers had to come and reroute the river. Wow. But there had been floods that would, you know, take parts of the town apart. Wow. And I always wondered, once I found out about the using the clay from the mounds, I was like, oh, well, no wonder we have all these terrible floods. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, Appalachia, that's yeah, floods all the time. We always have floods. That's why you live on the hills and not in the valleys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have always lived point. on the hills. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was like, oh, that's, you know, 19th century. Yeah, that, that bill's come and due. It's not right too far. about far.
1: It's less than, yeah. than 100 years, which in geological time is, is nothing. nothing. Historical yeah. time, it's still nothing, except for human life, which rarely reaches the hallmark of, of, of the hundreds of the century for human life. That's a long time. But historically, geologically, that's, that's like a... Drop in the ocean mm-hmm. um, and thinking, not thinking in terms of immediate consequences, or attributing this kind of reasoning to um, conspiratory type of mentality, is like disregarding um, the the climate change. Yes, you are taxing the natural resources. You are burning more fuels for I don't know. 200 years, you are releasing all these gases in the atmosphere and the weather begins to change. And you're not going to sense sense it within one year, not even in 10 years, but within 50 years, within 100 years. If you get to measure carbon levels, carbon dioxide levels and other parameters, temperatures in different areas, the melting of glaciers then all of a sudden you realize that, oh my gosh. And and it's slow happening, but it does mm-hmm. not mean there is not causality there. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the same with, with our um, destroying, you know, fairy places and sacred places of all sorts.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, um, about the, the climate change, I remember reading about climate change due to, carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, and all the other greenhouse gases um, in the 1970s in Time Magazine when I was a little kid. It it just, it struck me so hard and then watching as it moved through my lifetime and I'm like, okay, where are the people who actually know how to deal with this stuff? What, what are they doing? And it, you know, it had to do with money Mm -hmm. late stage. Capitalism is a great idea, isn't it? It's great. (laughs) It had to do with money from the oil companies. And I'm like, okay, so you're making money, but you guys are the ones with enough money to do research and development on other fuel sources Mm. do that. And then you'll be in on the beginning of a different industry. So they don't even think sensibly Mm -mm. to make money. I, I don't, I don't understand short term thinking versus I. I always think long term. I always have, so I, I look at that and go, "Why?"
1: <laughs> you know, your very podcast is an expression of long long term thinking because we're having these discussions today, and maybe people would, some people would laugh listening. Ah. Uh, and then, same as with the climate change, 10 years, 20 years, because recordings survive mm-hmm. 10 years, 20 years down the road. Oh my gosh, remember what, what we heard back then and we thought that there were crazy lunatics talking about ferries? Look, yeah, yeah. Look at it now. Look at it now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we're making history, yay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I can History so. in the making. <laughs> yes. I have a question. Have you ever seen anomalous lights out in the woods? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, please tell me about it.
1: So um, it happened on a couple of occasions. So once in the um, um, woods in the back of my house where I grew up as a kid. So there was the house woods and going far enough, it would end up close to the Danube River. So what I'm trying to say is that there was no habitation whatsoever. And at some point there weren't paths that people would walk with with lanterns or, or or flashlights. And after I had my first fairy encounter with a fairy being that was like corporeal. So she went up pitch back back then looked like a child and actually believed that I'm 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 following a child. So after that, which I discussed with my grandmother, um grandma told me. You don't go in the woods this far, especially around sunset, because, you know, we, we love you and you want you to stay with us. Um, so I was playing in the backyard and it was sunset, leaning into evening, you know, when the shades grow long on the ground.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I thought I'm seeing lights. It wasn't dark enough to be certain about them. It looked like, you know, water reflecting, and when water Mm -hmm. reflections um, project against trees and leaves, it was a little bit like that, with a difference. Those reflections were floating in the air, Mm -hmm. which intrigued me. The Danube was a few miles away. It could have Mm -hmm. not been seen from there. And we were not living on on an upper like hill thing from where you could see the river by no stretch of the imagination. Somebody walking with a flashlight on at that time of the day, it would not make any sense because it wasn't dark enough. You could still see the ground. You could still see your surroundings. So um, I just looked at them and I was trying to appreciate how far they are. And um, I'm getting chills as I'm I'm talking about this. They felt rather close. Mm -hmm. So I I saw them passing. So it was like a group of them. And I I saw them passing, I remember, right to left, just as if someone would be walking through the air, if you will. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was this group. And they were like large, um, you know, the size of a ping pong ball. Mm -hmm. But not that well defined contour think of a little explosion of light that reflection mm-hmm. type of thing moving left to right like a group mm-hmm. and I watched them I mean I followed them with my gaze as they were moving until they moved farther away to my left and they disappeared in the in, in the distance and then running to the house until my grandmother and she was like I hope you didn't follow them I'm just like nope Lesson learned. I didn't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is a, a truism all over the world. That that don't go into the woods and follow the lights. Don't follow the lights. Don't do that. That's bad. So,
1: yeah. No. And the second one was a few years ago. Um, right where I live right here, there were woods behind my house. And I was joking. I was telling I believe Morgan and, and, and Kat, uh, we're talking about level of activities, levels of activity on, on our grounds or grounds in general. And I said, well, mine is international other, other world international transit station. (laughs) I like that. So this was, I mean, it still is nothing has changed, but the added element were the woods, where now there is a housing development built. Oh. Yes. So, I saw they were different. Uh, this was a little bit deeper into the, the evening portion of it. Still not dark, fully dark. Um, and they were like bluish. Mm-hmm. It's very pretty blue. Um and they hover over a place that I used to call the fairy Glen, And I used to take offerings actually over there because I knew I had, you know, I saw, remember that I mentioned like one foot tall, two feet tall beings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I saw them and they went there and left offerings when nobody was around. And so in that area, I also saw the lights and I saw them and they begin to move and they're moving farther and farther away. And then the ferry activity overall dampened. it was far less and then a few months no a few weeks later, there are these guys with tapes and strings beginning you know to circle and and uh, mark the trees that would will be cut and um
0: They knew and moved.
1: They knew and moved. And what I did back then, because I I still have a fairly large backyard, I got a corner in my backyard and I out loud, hello, everyone over there. Those of you who have been displaced and don't have a place to go, you're welcome. It's not my house that I'm calling you in, but it's this patch (laughs) of my backyard. Okay, let's let's keep it clear, you know, let's... uh -uh. But there... (laughs) And that's where you're getting offerings, and let's be good neighbors, and let's, you know, and yeah. that made a difference. Yeah. Um, things felt really well, and right now, I mean, I walk in, I can walk outside in the middle of the night, any hour, and I, I really feel safe and protected.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So, yeah. Otherwise, I don't know.
0: Yeah. So I think what it's, color yes tell me what what color were the lights in the first story
1: in the first story they were like really like sun reflections
0: right so so they were whiteish sunlight whiteish exactly okay
1: and the second they were bluish like a very pretty blue and you know like moving they bounced in place for a while and then they begin to move actually they they move like farther and farther and farther away and they, they disappeared
0: yeah yeah, that was that was them moving. They knew. They knew those guys were coming.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> um, that was that was a sad, really
0: moment. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. That I I really dislike the the idea of there's an established community of other kinds of people. That humans just oh ah, we're gonna tear down the trees and mm-hmm. build some ugly houses that aren't even out of good materials, so they won't last very long and
1: <laughs> which is good business horrible. because we can we can rebuild them and
0: yeah uh-huh ah, That's good planned business planned obsolescence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, so um... so when you when you talked about the one that looked like a little girl, mm-hmm. could you could you tell me a little bit more about that?
1: Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so um it was May. I remember forever. That's etched in my memory. And uh the month of May in Romania, it's it's still chilly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So came back from school, I believe I was in third grade. So came back from school, changed clothes and went outside to play and my grandmother make sure you don't stay up you don't stay out late you know no going in the woods and i'm like yeah sure and as i go to to the backyard we had like a wooden table with with benches there and i pass it and then trying to look over my shoulder i don't know why i stopped and look over my shoulder and there was this girl sitting on the bench and i could swear that there was nobody when i passed by and she stands up and stands up and moves by me kind of moves ahead of me and then she turns around and i look at her and it's like a ch- child like myself and i noticed that she was wearing a sleeveless dress which was awkward for that time of the year she didn't seem to be bothered by temperature my grandmother had me wearing a ja- wear a jacket to go out um and I'm asking her, hey, want to play? Well, she asked me, no, she asked me, want to play? And she begins to run. And I'm like, sure, yeah, yippee, let's run. And she goes into the woods and I'm running. I'm following her into the woods. And no matter how fast, and I was a really good runner. So no matter how fast I would go, I could not close the gap between us. And I'm like, hey, Stop. We're getting way too far. And she like lightly turns and looks over the shoulder and say, you don't have to be afraid when I'm around.
0: Mm.
1: Which made my hair stand up on its end. And I stopped and it was silenced, like deep, deep, deep silence. Nothing was moving. And I looked around and I didn't quite recognize where I was because I was like way farther that I could in have possibly even go, I think, what mm-hmm. I was so scared that this is how I perceived it. So it was that moment of panic and the sun was setting. So I knew, so growing up, you know, with the woods in the backyard and learning how to orient myself in, in in that kind of landscape. I knew that my house was east, was straight east. So seeing the setting sun, it was enough to turn around and begin, you know, to walk in the opposite direction. And I went back and told my grandmother, look, I've seen such and such and such. And that is when she threw off everything that she was told by my parents. Don't tell her about fairies keep these things secret. She's like, the only way to keep her safe is to actually tell her about these things. So she began to teach me everything that I always wanted to know. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was Fairy 101. And that is when we crafted together my protection pouch. And it had some things in it and a piece of red cloth and it was red string. And she's like, you're wearing this. And then I mm-hmm. remember she put in my room mugwort and mm-hmm. she put um, underneath my bed a knife, like steel. Yeah. Dark handle, steel blade under the bed. And then what's weird, I could not sleep with that knife mm. under my bed. I could not sleep. So I just took it out and put it somewhere else. And um, so that, that, that was a very weird thing. She's like,
0: that is interesting. She's
1: like, I don't know what to make of this. And uh, she's like, you're supposed to sleep better. And I'm, no, I actually couldn't sleep at all. It felt like the bed was extremely hot and, and very uncomfortable and bumpy, which wasn't. So it's like, no, we're not doing the knife part. <laughs> so that was my encounter. And that girl came about again. So it was a second encounter months later, and um, she gave me a prohibition. So I wanted to read, you know, poker cards, play cards, like mm-hmm. my, my aunt used to do, and she was like very good about it. Um, and I wanted to read, and uh, I'm in the, behind my house, you know, my favorite place. And I'm there, I had my little fairy altar where I used to take offerings for them. And I'm there, and I'm trying to read, and she I heard the voice, she's like, no, don't do this. Looking around, taking them up again, shuffle, and she's like, I said no. And I look, and she's like, there. Which infuriated me because she looked like a child like myself, mm-hmm. pretty much same age, same height. Um, what was unusual about her because then then I I, I sat with with this thinking what is uh, what what makes her still unusual and I can tell this is not like at a closer look, I can tell this is not a typical human child were the eyes so the eyes were like brown. But really deep and of a more mature person,
0: mm-hmm,
1: and she's just adamant, which I didn't take it well, and I said, i mean what do you care what's what's your business I mean, you're a kid, you're not my 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 boss um and she told me, no, you are not to read play cards, playing cards, you can read other things, and you're actually going to be really good with, with divination but no cards you don't touch those because if you do that's going to be bad things happening and years later sure enough i breached what i said that i wouldn't do and very bad things happened. and it was close we talked earlier about delayed consequences mm-hmm. those were immediate so that was right. me getting so sick like in a matter of minutes after reading the cards, and I'm like never again, wow. never again. So, wow. yeah, that's that's my my experience. And we met again um, right here where I live. And we met in Ireland, in in the place where I least of all expected to encounter. This very person. So, yeah.
0: Does she still look like a little girl? No. She 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 left that off. There. She left
1: she left that off. She left, Actually, when she came here, uh, she was like very it looked familiar. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Where do I know you from?" And then she gave me the catchphrase, so she reminded me. Of my childhood, and I'm like, "Oh, this is not possible. this cannot be mm. and she's like, "Oh yeah, it can be mhm so yeah that's that's my my one of my fairy encounters
0: i really I really like that story <laughs> it's one of those stories that you know the the idea that they don't move around <sighs> yeah, and right. follow people oh, yeah like, right. like it's impossible." I, I, mm. No, it's no, not impossible.
1: <laughs> no, it's not impossible. And I, I, I can't wait for uh, Morgan Daimler's next books to, to come out because they um, Morgan speaks about other world. Mm-hmm. And that brings into, into discussion this many, many ways to enter and to access the other world and both the locality and non-locality of it. And once mm-hmm. it's both local and non-local, it means that you can access various places from wherever you are and they can access us from wherever, wherever they are They are and we are and so on. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I can't wait for that book to, to come.
0: Um, yeah. I, I think, I, I kind of think of her books and your book as kind of a sort of a, and, and cats Yes. As, uh, <laughs> a, a uh, public service in a way for people who have had fairy encounters or are having them mm-hmm. or will have them to go, oh, okay, let's, okay, that yeah. explains that. Because there is a lot of, you know, I'm not going to say that other people's encounters that don't follow these exact parameters that you and Cat and Morgan have listed because there's lots of other people having encounters sometimes with creatures that I wouldn't call fairies, um, because there's other people Mm -hmm. than fairies and elves. Um, But sometimes they are, and they're a little bit different, Mm -hmm. but there is, if you look at even Asian fairy lore, especially the forest people that are small, it's it's the same stories basically and the same kind of prohibitions you know, don't let them in your house if you can help it unless they're you know like the house little people those mm-hmm. are okay um but but don't let them in your house because they'll mess everything up mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yes i know <laughs> because they have fun uh but yeah it's they, so much the same and I, I like to think of of your books when you were talking about time, sort of being useful far beyond you know mm-hmm. your lifetime. So,
1: um, and in this book particularly. So, speaking of public service and books and podcasts, so um, that's exactly how I'm I'm, I'm thinking of, of what's my job as an author. So, very much public service, bring about this this information to people to everybody. That's the reason why I want to... So when I, when I wrote this, this book, it's, it's really small. It's like 100 pages. And um, I put in it story material and mm-hmm. a retold stories about um, fairy beings who live in the woods and how for them the woods are their properties, property. And what happens when, when people infringe on those. And this is not fantasy. These are retellings of people who lived those specific episodes and um, who lost family, who lost... Mm -hmm. So the the man um, witnessed how a fellow with Qatar lost his son and then he himself died in one such altercation, I would say, um, that resulted from uh, woodcutters disrespecting the, the the fairy beings who lived in um, in that area. So cutting into their sanctuary when they are told, "Don't cut. You cut enough. Don't get into that part of the woods," and they did, with resulting consequences. So I put a lot of story material. Aside from giving a lot of resources and um, a writing in, in a more scholarly manner for the first mm-hmm. book, the second book, The Memoirs of a ferry Seer, was, hey, this is my experience. And the, the view of the inside, from inside the system, from inside the private life of a Phariseer seer and a young kid who apprentices to become a Phariseer seer herself. And then there will be a third book coming out, um, Fairy Earths for Fairy Magic. Mm. And my biggest challenge, honestly, um, I was born in Romania. I live in the United States. I was released from the contract by the Romanian fairies, the one that basically oversaw my, my, my growing and evolving And at some point I was told, well, yeah, you've been released from from contract. I had no idea that I had a contract to begin with. So, and I was told, well, you remember what you said as a child? I'm like, well, I said many things. I don't really remember all of them, but yeah. So I was told, once you're done writing this first book, Where fairies Meet, you're released from the contract, which doesn't mean that you're free to go. You're just being turned over. to other beings who have worked for you. And my biggest challenge was that of reconciliating multiple cultural threads that come into my practice. And how do I work in a way that is respectfully, that is not culturally appropriative with mm-hmm. my beings who are mainly elves but they settled in Ireland around Dublin. And it's a very, very heavy parcel, big and heavy, because they instructed me, yeah, you're going to learn Irish lore. We're not of the sheep, but we stay in Ireland, and it's, it's a respectful way to engage with the Irish land and culture. You're going to become knowledgeable of the folklore, End of the fairy lore, That specific Irish, end of the language. Um, in case you don't have enough learning to do, that's also that. And you're going to go back to the Germ- German lore that you grew up with. I grew up in this dual environment, Romanian and German. So um, you go back and dust off that German language and the connections that you had as, as a child with those kind of beings so you're going to weave those cohesively into a practice. So the third book is also is Fairy Herbs for Fairy Magic, addresses this using herbs from the multicultural perspective. How the same herb can be seen in various ways, both apotropaic and propitiatory, depending of the context, depending of the culture that you are related with and um, where fairies meet so the first book paves the way mm-hmm. it's like we have two cultures lots of similarities beautiful differences and this is how things uh, meet but are also have their individuality same as fairies same as herbs you have St. John's Worth that is strongly apotropaic and it's like no no when you're working with a she, but it's fine for the elves. Like mm-hmm. cat puts it, well, rule of thumb, holy herbs, they're um uh compatible with holy beings, so we're good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is this is like my my legacy I guess.
0: I like that. <laughs> it it's well I always feel in America, since we have people from everywhere mm-hmm. and they bring their people, their other people, mm-hmm. with them. <laughs> yes. And then there were already people and other people here. Yes. I didn't come independent. Be- <laughs> yeah, it, it it gets confusing yes. and and it kind of bewildering. Um and you know, I remember Uh, probably 20 I think it was 28 years ago almost 30 years ago when I first came to Athens Ohio I was friends with with a circle of women that um, it was two African-American women and and two women of European descent and all of us started having dreams About a woman in the ocean, a black woman in the ocean. And it was Yamaya, Yamaya, one of the Orishas. And boy, when when they grab, they grab. (laughs) They grab tight when they grab, you know? It was like, oh my gosh, what what is happening? And then we talked with each other and we realized, oh, well, she wants something and maybe she wants us to work together. So we did and we worked together and we we circled together and we created stuff together. And I was just so, you know, confused. I was like, you know, this is usually there's an ancestral part to this. And I was like, what, 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 what? what? I don't know, un- I don't understand. So I went to a festival And I met a voodoo priestess, Mambo Miriam, from the Rampart Street Voodoo Temple in New Orleans. And she read for me. She read the bones and the shells and the feathers and the rocks. I am amazed at that. She just tossed it down. I couldn't see anything. And she she told me who I was named for. The spirits were still with me because in African tradition, if you name a child for... Anyone, the spirits are attached to that child. their guardians. And she described them physically. Oh. One was my grandmother. And one was uh, my, gr- my aunt, wow. my dad's sister. And she described them perfectly. And then she described my situation, which was going on, which there was a rift in my family. And she said, oh, within a year, your family will reach back out to you. The spirits on the other side are working on that. Okay, she was right about that. That was really scary. Um, But the interesting thing was, she said, Yemaya stands with you. And another, we would call him Ogun, but I think you will learn a new name for him. And she said, these are ancestors. She said, you have ancestors from many different parts of the world that you don't understand or don't know about and i said oh okay so uh that was very very enlightening and very interesting i'm pretty sure that there is african roots from my grandmother the one that i have her middle name um which is adina and it came from the adina culture that built the mounds that's wow weird but it's true that's and i've lived near mounds in different places just about every time like i was born in a hospital a mile away from one of the largest mounds in west virginia um my grandparents house was near a mound i live just a few miles away from mounds and they're all over this, this town you know so it if I'm in Appalachia, I'm near a mound. Apparently, that's just how it works. Um, so it was really interesting, but it is a very mixed up. So what you're doing is very interesting to me because you don't want to be appropriative. You 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 really don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when the spirits grab you and you know all but shake you and go, hey, you <laughs> work want to with engage. Me yeah (laughs) you have to you can't just in my in my view it's disrespectful to them to just go ah no so i think that that third book that you're working on i think that is going to be very important for a lot of people traditionally i would say americans because we've intermarried Mm -hmm. back and forth so many times i think our genetics are probably completely wild um it's got to be and, and if i knew enough about genetics to study it i'd be like wow mutts this is so cool um but it also probably messes us up when it comes to like what should we eat for our health you know stuff like that but i i, I think it will help a lot of americans who want to be working with the spirits but are afraid to appropriate something Without knowledge or consent, you know nobody yep. wants to be appropriative. Well, okay, some people do, and they don't care, but we're not talking. We're not about talking those about them right now. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they're over there. We don't. They're. Mm.
1: Yeah. No. Um, I think that when they begin, when they tagged you, mm-hmm. that's a very difficult. It's very difficult to say no
0: and Mm -hmm.
1: not to engage. Um, If they tag you, there is a reason. Um, It means that you can serve their community somehow. But it also may be the case that in serving their community, you actually serve other people, other humans that in turn facilitate their, the human's way to interact with with the fairy beings. So Mm -hmm. basically you're creating the grounds for what we discussed earlier, a more respectful approach by the humans toward the other. So mm-hmm. they tag us for various purposes, and maybe some of us are better at certain tasks, and then we get assigned tasks as, as, as we go. Um, turning the back doesn't always work. Um, mm-hmm. I remember, and this is in the, the second book, which is, by the way, already on Amazon. <laughs> Yay! Yes. Okay, it's, I'll go it's, pre-order. It's not, it's yeah. not officially yet. It's available for pre-order. Um, so my grandmother at some point tells me, you still have time to back off. You still have time. But if you're going to pick up that fairy gift, so it's given, gifted up wand, basically. Um, so it's like, if you are picking that up, then so think, well, and I'm scratching my head. I'm like, okay, I'm nine years old, nine and a half, in fairness. At this age, kids dream that they're going to be pilots and they're going to be, I don't know, astronauts and they're going to do great things. And here I am. And I have to decide in a matter of minutes or, you know, an hour, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Because if I'm picking up that wand, I know that there's no going back. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, eh, nah, I'm taking it. So I took it. And then when I decided to back off, like years later, it was very difficult. It really wrecked my life on on multiple levels. And I couldn't find my peace until I fully came back. So it was Mm -hmm. bad for my family. It was bad for me. It was bad for everybody in every single way I can think of. It was bad. And until I came back. So you can't really say no, which extends Mm -hmm. it to people who are called by beings from cultures that are not native. I don't know, honestly, what's, what's my connection, you know, to the Irish culture, but it, it was like very strong. Um, and the desire, you know, to, to, to connect. And I try to do it as respectful as, as possible. Um, coming from an outsider like myself. Um, but it was there. And it would mm-hmm. have a few years of, of um, several years of studying and you know going there and, and experiencing the energy and the beings in, in, in situ. Um, it all came around to inform me that it was the best course of action. And if I would have turned my back it would have not been good. So being mm-hmm. capable to engage with Irish deity that's also a fairy king, as I learned it later, was like a really smart thing to do. And um, it helped me further mediate, bridge this gap, these pieces that that aggregate from Irish, um, Romanian, and the German, Germanic,
0: Norse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, looking if you if you look at my um, family genealogy, I mean, I've known I was uh, my dad's side is Southern German, like not too far back. Like they came to the United States in the late nineteenth century. Um, Maybe we're so- related. I know, isn't that a thought? Uh,
1: my grandma yeah. was from Bavaria.
0: Yes, that's where my family's from. Two families, <laughs> the Fishers and the Fruths, traveled together to the United States, and then sister from one, one family, brother from the other, in two sets married each other. And that kind of happened down through. And so, yeah, uh, Bavaria. Mm-hmm. And a funny story about that is when I first went to culinary school, um, I, uh, I, I, my first instructor was, was German, and his name was Chef Reiner. That was his first name because nobody, none of the Americans could say hein, Heiner properly. Um, so he just went by his first name. And he and I were just looking at each other and staring. like,
1: do I know you?
0: And and he was like, Miss Fisher, are you? But is that an English name, or is it anglicized? And I said it's anglicized. In World War One, my my great grandfather changed it. And he said, "Okay, are you Bavarian?" And I went, "Oh my God, you're oh my Bavarian gosh. too." And he said, he said, "You look like women in my family." And I looked at him, and I realized he looked like my dad's cousin when my dad's cousin was young oh and i gosh. said oh my god you look like cousin steve you really do i was think because there's a picture of him when he was a pilot in world war ii and you look like him at that age wow. and he was like you i have cousins that look like you too he was like i was like okay <laughs> it was oh just so funny <laughs> so yeah we could be cousins i don't know uh and it was really funny. I was doing genealogical research and I had just found a, uh, a, a place where either the fishers or the fruits, I can't remember which, but the village that they had come from. And a friend of mine who was in Germany at the time on Facebook sent me a picture of a cuckoo clock that was from that exact town because that's one of the places where they still manufacture them by the traditional way. And she said, I just wanted to send you this. And I was like, okay, girl, the Psychic Friends Network is working. (laughs) It's working hard. It's working overtime. Okay. That's weird. Okay. All right. So, yeah, on that side, I've got German and French and Dutch. And then on the other side, my mom, it's English, Welsh, and Native American, and possibly African. So... I'm a, I'm a mutt, big mutt. Same. It's just how it is. Well, even, you know, Americans don't think about that, but in Europe, you, there's, you know, it's not like French people only marry French people. Oh, no. <laughs> it just oh, no. doesn't, doesn't work that way. It doesn't you, know. yeah. you guys are a melting pot too.
1: Yeah. We're, we're also a melting pot. I mean, where it's, if, if you look at Romania, which is, I don't think it's bigger than the size of, of Texas. It's it's really small, you know. Yeah. Um, But it's right at crossroads. Mm -hmm. So everything from the coming from the east, traveling west, and the other way around
0: cross Mm -hmm. paths
1: there. So, yeah, there is a melting pot. And um, I realized that the human melting pot also influences the other, not a. I'm not sure if I should say that the quality or rather the variety, the degree of variety of Mm -hmm. of the otherworldly presences that that you find find there, Mm -hmm. which takes us back to the United States. It's almost, not almost, it is natural here to connect with beings from so many cultures because the human um, population is so diverse. And mm-hmm. everybody, so there are, There was, um, I believe it was in, in a Facebook, no, I don't believe, I'm sure. In a Facebook group, there was this discussion, um, somebody scoffing at the possibility for people here in the States to engage with otherworldly, fairy and other types of, of, of beings who are not native to the States. And this person was was saying, well, you cannot be you cannot engage here with the Irish she because the Irish she are only in Ireland. And that's not the case. That's really not the case because they're flexible.
0: Mm-hmm. I read
1: um the story, it was on on on, Dukhas, on the School Collection, the Irish School Collection, mm-hmm. the children in there collected in the nineteen thirties. So um there is this guy who travels from Ireland to the United States, uh, intending to actually escape a ferry lady who was arduously pursuing him
0: mm.
1: and mm. rode back home. Well, she's here with me. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so much for going across the ocean. So, the ferry lady actually found him there. So, they travel in the same way as we do. And then it only makes it naturally natural once they're there and we're here, we can interact. And culture is mm-hmm. no longer a barrier. We're still respectful, right? When you approach someone mm-hmm. from a different human family, I mean, you're getting a sense of what's appropriate, you know, to talk, mm-hmm. to say, to eat, to do, not to do, if you're visiting, so in the mm-hmm. same way. But then you're friends and and and... That's it. That's familiarity. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like if you uh, eat at a Muslim person's home, you eat with your right hand, you Mm -hmm. are respectful, you, you know. Yeah,
1: you dress in a certain way. You're not going to go there and cut off shorts and, you know,
0: tank tops.
1: Yeah. You're respectful of their their, their way of doing things.
0: It's the same basic Mm -hmm. idea. And yes, I think Jin have crossed over into america as well because yes. you know the the muslim friends i have they're very strong in their understanding of what jinn are and mm-hmm. what they can do and how they live unseen right next to us and uh that's really interesting i can't get them to come onto the podcast and talk about it but i can at least talk with them about it yeah. and Okay. You know, they they thought I'd laugh, and I'm like, no, 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 Gosh, no, I'm not gonna laugh. No, I I believe in unseen beings too. Oh yeah, because sometimes we see them. So, you know, and so that was nice.
1: Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll
0: get them eventually.
1: If they're gonna see, <laughs> like this episode where it's like, yeah, and I was chasing this little fairy in the woods, <laughs> and we're very serious about it, and then. Taking it, you know, treating it with 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 due um, respect and consideration, and and you know, as as a very credible experience, mm-hmm. um, they may okay, they may think that yeah, no, this is the purpose is not to make fun, is actually to educate and mm-hmm. open up people's you know
0: blinders, blinders, yes.
1: to take in the invisible with the same confidence that they take in the visible
0: spectrum Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so that's automation
0: (laughs) it is it is well thank you for coming and sharing with us i really had fun talking with you um i've been looking forward to talking with you for a long time um and you're welcome to come back anytime if you have anything (laughs) yeah seriously if you have if you have something you need to say, mm-hmm. just let me know. Um, I'm, I'm here. And next time, maybe you'll get to meet Morgana. That's my daughter and co-host. So you might meet her.
1: I would love to meet Morgana. I am thrilled. It's been such an honor because I've, I've been looking up <laughs> to your podcasts. And I was looking forward at being oh, on, your, on your podcast. So it's been a pleasure and an honor to be here. And I can't thank you enough for all that you do because it's so um, far-reaching and impactful. And um, yeah, hope to be here again soon.
0: Oh, you will. You will. And I really want to thank you for your books because I do think it's very, very important for people to look at the similarities and differences between fairy lore from different cultures but to also recognize that the similarities are a little bit more similar than the differences are different. Mm-hmm. If you care, yes. you know, if you can follow my tortured English grammar, you know. <laughs> but uh yeah, thank you. Thank you for writing those. I'm really looking forward to the one. I think I I think I've pre-ordered it, but I might not have yet, so I will after talking with you. Thank you so much, Barbara. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you.